Welcome, welcome, welcome. We've got some good stuff coming up here on Please Bear With Me. We're going to talk that Texas State game. We're going to talk that terrible broadcast. <laughs> then we're going to bring Levi Norwood, former Baylor receiver and punt returner, onto the pod. Levi and I, we played high school basketball together, played AAU basketball together. You know, we traveled to Vegas, New York, playing basketball tournaments during the summers. So very excited to get Levi on and get his take on Baylor football. Then we'll talk Texas Southern. We'll talk bare necessities and game prediction and all of that good stuff. So won't you please bear with me. Welcome in, Baylor fans. Let's kick off this episode with that that just atrocious broadcast. Um, I mean, from the get-go, the audio comes on. It's, it's scratchy. It's fuzzy. Okay, that's just audio. That, you know, at least maybe I'll, I'll get to watch the game. Well, I got to watch half the game. The JT Woods pick six was off camera. I mean, I'm pretty sure that... Every single time there was a handoff, the camera was going with the wrong person. Couldn't follow the ball. I don't know how hard it is to just, I don't know, zoom out a little bit. Just a little bit, maybe a little bit. So we ended up turning the audio off and we had another game going, had double TVs going. So I put the audio on of the Ohio State Clemson game so I could hear good old Kirk Herbstreet break down some football. But then post-game, we finally get to the post-game there. Uh, Aranda's going to have his post-game interview. All right, great. Let's see what Aranda's going to say about the game. But do we hear Aranda's voice? No, we hear the producer's voice, or I don't know who the producer, whoever, comes on and says, we don't have it. We don't have it. <laughs> so they cut away from that. And then if you, if you stick around, uh, he ends up saying, you know, we need to end this broadcast. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more. You, you did need to end that broadcast. Um, as a person who just now like upgraded to ESPN Plus, that was my first game experience with ESPN Plus. I'm not happy about paying $7 a month for it. I'm not. ESPN, you're a multi-billion dollar company. You need to send some people down to San Marcos, Texas to, to give us a decent broadcast of a game. This is not on Texas State at all. This is 100% on ESPN. I was not happy about it. But hey, it is what it is. Nothing that I say is going to change whatever just happened. Okay? But that broadcast, oh man, it was extremely poor. Extremely poor. And now piggybacking off of the bad broadcast, that Josh Fleek's touchdown catch, 100% was a touchdown catch. It was a ridiculous, ridiculous catch. And he definitely got one foot down with the possession. 
I've seen videos of it. I've seen pictures of it from multiple people. It's 100% a touchdown. And now I just got finished listening to Dave Aranda's press conference this week. And the reason that it wasn't reviewed is because the replay booth wasn't working. How does that happen? Dave Aranda said, I personally wanted him to have that moment. And so that was disappointing. Yeah, you're dang right. It was disappointing. We have a game being broadcasted on a multi-billion dollar company's platform. And that could have cost us the game. Honestly, it could have cost us the game. But Fleeks, man, what a ridiculous, outstanding catch. Maybe the catch of the year by when it's all said and done. You know, I know we got RJ Sneed. He's bound to make some amazing catches this year. But that one, my goodness. Hankins, true freshman in at kicker. I am lost on this one. I am not sure why Mayers isn't kicking field goals. I'm not even sure why Rauschenberg isn't kicking field goals. So Hankins, he misses a a field goal in the first half. He did in the game two of three um, and nailed one from 43 yards. So that one looked pretty solid. I'll, I'll give him that. So hopefully if we end up sticking with Hankins there as our, as our field goal kicker, that that first miss was kind of a first game jitters type of miss. Uh, Petrie drops an easy interception. I am not totally sure what happened there. I think it was just a little bit too easy (laughs) for Petrie there. Um, We were stopped on a third and goal near the goal line in the second half. Man, I really, really would have liked to see us get a touchdown there. Um, We might not be able to just kind of line up and out-muscle people which is, you know, looked like what we were trying to do right there and didn't work out, didn't work out, didn't score a touchdown there, um, had, to, had to settle for a field goal. And look, I know that we didn't take too many deep shots. We did not. But I think that this was more of Grimes making the point that we are a running team. This is what we do. We are going to pound the rock. And that's exactly what we did. Ebner had 120 yards rushing, uh, averaged six yards per carry. Smith had 118 yards and averaged 6.2 yards per carry. That was a breath of fresh air. That was awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome to see. So as a team, we had 45 rushes and 24 passes. I expect that to be the ratio we see just about every game moving forward. I want to touch on Tristan Ebner. I I just brought him up. I want to touch on him again. First player in Baylor football history with over 1,000 rushing and 1,000 receiving yards. Wow. Take a bow, Tristan Ebner. We love you. Congrats, sir. Then I want to touch on some young guys seeing the field. You may have seen... Little Monterey Baldwin out there, a true freshman from Colleen. He got a carry on a jet sweep and also got some action at kick return. So look out there for Baldwin to be getting some more action uh, from the offense. Then Mike Mazuka, 
there at the offensive line, I really think when it's all said and done, he is going to end up being the starter there at left guard. Really, really liked what I saw out of Mazuka. And then also on that offense, Drake Dabney at tied end. Really high on Drake this year. And now that we're going to be running lots of 12 personnel, which is two tight ends on the field, Dabney is going to see a lot of the field this year. Very excited for what he's going to bring to the offense. I do want to touch on those bare necessities that I had for last week. The first one was offensive line reps. Did I want to beat this team by 40? Yes. 100%. But looking back on it, I'm kind of glad that it worked out the way it did because it gave our starters live reps for the full game, live competitive reps for the full game. So maybe if we go up by 30 in the first half, we don't get as many live reps as an offensive line group. I wanted to see as many reps as possible. That's what we got. That's what we got. So we started the game. With Galvin at left tackle, Newman Johnson left guard, Gall at center, Miller at right guard, and Byers at right tackle. But guys, that is not the group that I liked the most. The group that I think will end up starting and that I like the most is Galvin at left tackle, Mazuka at left guard. I really, really liked what I saw from Mazuka against Texas State. Gall at center. I think he's locked that spot up. Miller at right guard. And then Keith at right tackle. I really liked Khalil Keith at right tackle. I think he gave us some solid, solid snaps. He was in there at right tackle on our first offensive touchdown drive. And then our second, uh, our second half touchdown drive, Mazuka was in at left guard and Keith was in at right tackle. And that second half TD drive I thought was our best drive of the game. We started on our own 30, went five plays for 70 yards. Each play was over 10 yards, and then Abram Smith punched it in with a TD run. That was when we had Mazuka and Keith in at right tackle. That's, that's the group I really like right now. And for those like who, who maybe didn't really like what our offensive line did, Galvin, he was the highest rated left tackle according to PFF and he was their left tackle of the week. Gall at center, he was the second highest in total positive graded blocks. And then all five of our starters on the offensive line finished with a grade above 74. So those numbers might not mean a lot to you, but think about this then. Name a time when Gary was under pressure like Brewer was last year. He wasn't. It didn't happen. So from that standpoint, I think that you should be able to see a step forward, at least from, a, from the fact that Bohannon wasn't back there running for his life the whole game. So let's go to that second bare necessity. I wanted to see confidence from Bohannon. And guys, I saw confidence. I saw confidence. He was decisive. And he was very accurate on his short to intermediate throws. He made some very, very good 30 to 40 yard throws to the wide side of the field that we just could not make last year. And, and those are easy, like those are, I don't want 
easy is the wrong word, but those are the type of throws that we've got to be able to make. So when the cornerback is playing 10 yards off of us, we can run a five yard hitch and just get five yards. Like, let's just take the five yards and let's go. Okay. So that's, that's nice to see (laughs) this year. Um, and he was great at making throws on the run. Um, even rolling out to his left, that is an incredibly hard, uh, pass to accurate pass to make rolling out left as a right-handed quarterback. Um, and he hit guys on the money rolling left. So I was really impressed with, with his short to intermediate accuracy and his run in his throwing on the run. The ball is, is really just popping out of his hands and it's great to see. Now the deep ball accuracy, this was suspect. This was the worst part of his game on Saturday and by my count had at least two overthrows where we had the defense beat. Um, so on the positive side of that, Hey, it's great that we saw a quarterback overthrow. Cause that means we have a quarterback that can <laughs> throw it deep. Um, but definitely, obviously we want to, we want to be accurate and catch the, catch the pass. So, you know, Thornton was wide open in the second half, um, for a touchdown, Bohannon overthrew him by about five yards. We can sure that up. We can. It was our first live game throwing a deep ball to his receivers, uh, Bohannon. So, hey, just get some more reps, get some more practice, and hopefully by game three and game four, we are have are having a good connection and good rapport between Bohannon and his receivers. My last bare necessity was just to play with passion, and guys, we did. It was really fun just to watch the team play, see that defense flying around again. I said that it might be a good weekend for us to take three. That's exactly what we did. We had three interceptions by three different Baylor players. Okay, so another segment I am bringing over is the oh-so-good player of the game. And before I hand out the first player of the game award this season, I want to give you guys the reasons behind choosing who I choose. And first, I look at the unit that gave us the best chance to win. So I think, hey, did did the offense play better and give us a better chance to win or did the defense? Then after that, I will kind of look big picture and I'll try to think of who jumped off the screen for me. Who was it that I was like, dang, he's just in every play. He's doing all, he's doing everything. And then at that point, I'll look deeper into the stats. So I want to get away from just looking straight at the box score and saying, oh, this guy had, you know, two sacks and two tackles for loss. So obviously he played the best. No, that's not what I want to do. I want to give you guys the player who I think impacted the game the most. So this week's oh-so-good player of the game is going to a defensive player. I thought the defense gave us the best chance to win, forcing the three turnovers. And this week, it's Jalen Petrie. Five tackles, two tackles for loss, one pass defended, one QB hurry, the one interception that he almost returned for a pick six, and honestly should have had two interceptions with that easy one that he dropped in the end zone. So just to wrap up, does 29 to 20 feel great? No, it does not feel great, especially after we forced three turnovers. But 
the offensive line played pretty good, okay? They play they played a lot better than any game they did last year. We just need to also clean up the mistakes. We had a fumble in the first half. We had 11 penalties, one of which was a roughing the kicker, which extended their drive. Take those, and then you add in even the Fleeks touchdown catch that wasn't a touchdown, and look, guys, we're fine. We're fine. And I saw this point made, and it made me feel better, is that it's almost a good thing that the game was close because it allowed our first team to play the entire game competitively and get as many live reps as possible. That's what we need. So looking back on it, like I, I kind of prefer the way it happened rather than going up by 30 in the first half and then the second team comes in and then we're then the first team thinks they got everything figured out and they really don't. And then we come into Southern and then we look like not good. And then, you know, so it's almost kind of a blessing in disguise that we got first team competitive reps for a full game. I'm, I'm glad that we got that. So no, 29 to 20 doesn't feel great. I thought we were going to win 40 something to 10 in my face, but that doesn't mean that I'm discouraged at all from this game. I, I liked what I saw. And now here's that conversation with Levi Norwood. Levi, thank you for joining. Please bear with me. Welcome in. Appreciate it, Travis, man. It's good to see you. Good to talk to you over this little uh, the Zoom thing, like everything everything is now. Yes, that is see, that seems what life has become, has become Zoom calls and sleep. Yep. yep. Not fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to start out with my favorite memory of you, Levi. We played high school basketball together. I'm sure you remember this, but we were playing against university at home, and you decided to go on and rise up and dunk on someone. Yep. Yeah. And it was nasty because I, no one knew you were about to dunk. No, even the guy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely didn't know. No, he had no idea. Because yeah, you're so smooth. You're so smooth and, like, it, there was no really stutters up into it, and you just kind of just rose up out of nowhere and just. Ah. Yep, carried carried the whole way down the court, and then that was that was the only dunk I think of my high school career. Maybe one in summer in AU uh, with Maybe. Team Marco, but you at, made it count. At midway, at midway, that was the only one I ever had. And you so made it count. Definitely sure. a good one. Yeah, for sure. Well, hey, man, I want to start out with just Coach Aranda, and what is what has been your impression of Coach Aranda? I'm not sure how how much you've been able to interact with him, but. What is your impression? Yeah, I I have interacted with him a little bit. He may has made it a point to um, connect with some of the alumni, uh, reach out to guys who played played at Baylor in the past, and make sure they felt welcome uh, around the team, around campus, around the facility. So, hopped on a, a FaceTime call one day after practice and just wanted to fill me in on how the receivers were doing. Oh, cool. Uh, wanted, wanted to catch up with me personally because he was a, a GA for my dad at Tech back in like 2001. Ah, I didn't know that. Yeah, and so he, he told me a story that I didn't remember about um, him and one of the other young GAs uh, <laughs> taking me and my younger siblings to a movie and just having no, no clue what, what fatherhood would be like, but yeah. found yeah. out then that uh, it, it probably wasn't gonna be the easiest thing in the world. Uh, so it was cool, cool seeing that come kind of full circle and seeing him at, at where I played at Baylor. Um, and excited to get back to campus campus eventually and, and talk with them. Uh, yeah, man. In person. 
man, that's, that's cool. I didn't, I, I didn't know he coached with your dad there. Um, so a little bit of a connection you have with them, not much of it <laughs> that, that you remember. Um, and, and getting to that game though, on Saturday, did you get to watch much of the game? I saw a little bit. Um, so I, I went to my dad's game. I was in L.A. Uh, my okay. dad's UCLA now. So went and watched yeah. the UCLA-LSU game. So Which was a great game. Congrats great. on the win. Yeah, it was awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I saw a little bit of the Baylor game before I went to that. Um, okay. And saw what I could. What you could. podcast was miserable. I could oh, tell man. from the jump. And then look on Twitter, it seemed like it, it only got worse. It, it did get – we were like – you know, just give them some time. Maybe they'll get used to it and they'll get better. It got worse. It yeah, got worse. Yeah, so, yeah, you, you didn't miss much of what we did get to see. Yeah. Um, and now you played right receiver. You did punt return. You did kick return there at Baylor. And there's lots of different things that can make you a good punt returner. But what is that common denominator in your mind that makes a good returner? Yeah, I think, I think there's um, a few things. I think there's one, you have to be able to catch the ball. Um, if you can't catch the ball, then obviously you're not going to be able to catch the ball. <laughs> so you got to be able to catch the ball. Um, and then you have to be able to make the first man miss. Um, so our, our goal is always make the first man miss, um, get the first first down. So if you can get around 10 yards, um, everything else after that is um, just whatever you can to, to try and score. Um, and so for me, that was um, – probably the funnest part of, of football for me was the freedom you had as a returner to kind of do what, what you wanted. And yeah. as, long, as long as you get the ball back to the offense and don't lose a whole bunch of yards, yeah, yeah. no one's really going to be mad at you. So <laughs> getting that first, first down and then trying to make something happen. Um, you got to yeah. be, be a playmaker back there for sure. Yeah. So those things are definitely running through your mind, but like I have to imagine if I'm back there about to return a punt, and my, my head is up, but I have 11 players sprinting at me, that, that would scare me. Did that ever that, – that never cross your mind? Or are you too worried about catching it and, and going? So, for me, I, I just try and keep things – the whole game of football, try to keep it really simple. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that made it easier for me, especially as a returner, is making some of those – my job is catch the ball. Like, yeah. yeah. As long as I catch the ball and, and – it was good. I, I was able to trust the guys in front of me that were blocking. Um, and so knew that the one person that was free was probably the, the long snapper. Right. And no offense to my guy, Jimmy Landis and all the long snappers out there, but uh, I, I, I don't count on you being able to tackle me. Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of confidence in yourself being able to juke out a, a long snapper. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Landis made some tackles though. So yeah, some of them can do some. Yeah. Yeah. And now you were not the fastest guy on the team no. okay? and that's no detriment to you. We just had ridiculous receivers. Um, why were those the main reasons that you were put that back there? Was it, was it a trust factor as to why you were put back there to, to, to return punts? Yeah, I, I think so. I think it was um, how can, especially with our offense, it was just get the ball back to the offense and then yeah. someone back there who can make a play every now and then. Yeah. Um, but the biggest thing was just, catch the ball, get the ball to the offense, um, mm -hmm. and let the offense play. Because obviously we're going to more times score. not score. So. For sure, for sure. Uh, and now when you look at Ebner when he returns, is it kind of the same things that you're telling me that make him so effective? Or what is it that makes Ebner so effective as a returner? Because he's not, he's not the fastest guy on our team, No, just like you were. 
yeah, he's not the fastest, but he, he definitely has has the breakaway speed. Um, and so he's definitely someone who's trustworthy back there. You, you know he's going to catch the ball most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, obviously, as, as we've seen in the past, he has the ability to make a big play. For sure. Um, and, and if you have a, a guy like that back there, it's easy, easier to scheme a punt return knowing the scheme doesn't have to be perfect. Not out, every block has to be made because mm-hmm. he's able to set up blocks, especially as a running back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, has that vision and understanding of carrying the ball. Yeah, that's a good point. You think the vision of being having so many reps as a running back, do you think that vision has really helped him as well? Yeah, yeah I think yeah. so. For sure. I think it goes both ways. Um, I mean, as a, as a returner, the field is a little more open. So you have yeah. probably a little more time. Um, and, and that helps him in the open field running as a running back. And then when things get tight as a returner, um, being a running back helps him out seeing things in, in tighter windows, I'm sure. Now let's switch to that wide receiver group. I want to talk about just Thornton and Snead here very briefly. What what have you seen from Thornton that you like? And uh, is there any any receivers that you played with that he reminds you of? Uh, he reminds me of all the fast guys. So all the, all, all the fast guys, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of them. There's probably, I, there's too many to name, but you can yeah, get yeah, yeah. AD and Corey and... Um, Tevin. Tevin. Yeah. Yeah, Tevin, just, just a taller just a taller bird yeah seriously yeah, almost all um and just stretch the field um yeah. so you have guys um able to run stuff underneath and and stretch field a little bit and then him all the time making big plays which is awesome um, yeah and for sure I Ar- think... yeah go, go ahead oh, i was gonna say with rj just making um you see him all the time making spectacular catches and just being able to trust trust his hands and mm-hmm. uh, it seems like trust where he's going to be, that he's going to be in the right spot um, and get the ball around him and he's going to catch it. Yeah, for sure. Snead just seems to have just a ridiculous catch at least one, once, maybe twice a game. Yep. I mean, you probably remember the one from last year where he's basically horizontal with the with the field and he catches it. Oh, just ridiculous. Yep. So, yeah. yeah. Um, well, hey, Levi, that's kind of all I, all I got for you for uh, Baylor football, but – a lot of people don't know you play Baylor basketball too, did you not? Oh, I got one career point. <laughs> one career point. That's. I fine. was looking at that. I was like fifty percent from the free throw yeah. line, baby. Highlight of my my Baylor athletic career is uh, I don't even remember who we were playing. I know Lace Darius set the uh, scoring record, Baylor scoring record. The year you were on the team. The the game that I scored my one. Oh point. shoot! Okay, wow. But, That's good. Yeah, I. I so excited for Baylor basketball for Coach Drew. Yeah, uh, seriously. So, congrats to you on the national championship, man. <laughs> <laughs> Have they? Uh, you you ever come back and play with them? I know they invite players back near the so, beginning so I, of the year. I was, uh, uh, I was a graduate assistant with the academic, athletic academic staff, mm-hmm. uh, and that was a year that the the team was pretty short on guys, injuries, and yeah. um, and stuff. So I would go over and help run scout team with cool. them. It was. Uh, Felt good. That's cool. <laughs> no, I, I I still could play a little bit. And now, bas- basketball was your first love, was it not? Oh, it's it's still is. Are you still your first love? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. You love yourself some basketball, man. Oh, for sure. Um, well, hey, Levi, I appreciate you hopping on. And um, how? What are you up to now, man? What are you doing now? So I'm working for Uplifting Athletes. Uh, it's a, a nonprofit. We work with college and professional athletes. Um, 
to help use their platform to raise awareness for rare diseases. Uh, we help fund rare disease research through different events. Um, so I, I started a chapter while I was a, a player at Baylor. Mm, okay. there, um, and it's still going going now. Casey Phillips and Christoph Henley are the chapter presidents. And so they, they just did a Lift for Life event where um, I think for them it was the farmers carry. So each, each yard they carried a teammate, fans were able to pledge a dollar amount, um, help mm. us raise some money and raise awareness for rare diseases. Awesome, man. That's good. And that's nationwide? It's nationwide. Yep. So we have 25 um, university chapters and work with around uh, 100 NFL athletes that uh, come on board and do different different things with us. Yeah. Well, man, that's awesome. That sounds great. And it sounds like it's something you're enjoying. Yeah. Yeah. I'm loving it. Good. Good. Well, hey, Levi, we appreciate you. And uh, hopefully we can have you, have you back on at some point. Yeah, for sure. It's great to talk to you, man. Hope you too, man. You and Waco sometime soon. Yeah, I hope so. If you ever come through, man, don't be a stranger. Yep, I'll let you know for sure. All right, man. See you, Levi. See you. If you want to get involved or donate to Uplifting Athletes, go to upliftingathletes.org. There is a big yellow donate button in the top right. You can scroll down and click on Baylor and check out the Baylor chapter as well. Now let's shift our focus to this Texas Southern team. This is an FCS team. They were one and two overall last year. The year before in 2019, they were 0 and 11. They played their two games in the spring this past year, and their only win was a forfeit. They are also picked to finish last in their division this year. So I'm not going to go over Texas Southern too much here. They are not as good as Texas State. But on offense, they lost two of their QBs from last year's roster, one of which was the starter. So they're going to be replacing a starting quarterback at running back. This is their, their deepest group there. They're going to cycle in uh, three guys to the running back group. At wide receiver, I just want to mention Jonathan Giles, number zero. He played at Tech. He played at LSU. And then he transfers here to, to Texas Southern. On defense, the defensive line is the strength of their defense, and the leader of that line is Michael Badejo, number one at defensive end. And then the only only person I really want to mention on the defense is linebacker Julian Marcantel, number 54, a former all-swag performer. So really their only impact players are Michael Badejo, they're at the defensive end, uh, second team all-swag performer. I already mentioned Julia, Julian Marcantel at linebacker. Um, and then at quarterback, it's Jalen Brown. That's who's going to start number 11, a redshirt freshman. He played some in the spring. He's a big and athletic guy at 6'2", 220, but he is not super mobile. And now the bare necessities. Bare necessities, yes, let's get into it. But again, like last week, I'm not going to have anything too specific on bare necessities since this is an FCS opponent and we should take care of them. So this week, the bare necessities may look a little similar, but here we go. Continue to find your five best on the offensive line. Look, I thought our offensive line looked better than they did at any point 
last year. We gained over 200 yards on the ground and had two rushers go for over 100 yards. That is awesome. That is awesome. We had two of the highest graded offensive linemen, according to PFF, in week one. Grimes, he wants to instill an identity on this offense, running the ball. That's exactly what we did. And Gall and Galvin, they have all but solidified their positions at left tackle and at center. I liked Mazuka at left guard and Keith at right tackle, but we've got to keep looking for that best combo against Texas Southern. Secondly is deep ball accuracy from Bohannon. I really liked what I saw from him short to intermediate and rolling out against Texas State, but where he struggled the most was deep ball accuracy. We didn't take too many shots, which again, I think it's because we're hammering home. We are a running team. So I'm hoping we're going to air it out a little bit more against Southern and give Bohannon a, a few more opportunities to get his chemistry down with his receivers. So Bohannon, I thought he struggled the most with the deep ball. So hopefully we see some better deep ball accuracy against Southern. QB pressure is my third bare necessity. We didn't have great QB pressure against Texas State. Only one sack and seven tackles for loss. I expected that to be better. McBride, the Texas State quarterback, he was able to escape and extend some plays there in the first half. Um, so got to get a little bit better pressure here against Southern. It did pick up in the second half, but I thought that we would be pressuring them all game. We've got to find a way to get that pressure out of our base defense before this big 12 starts. That is a key. Getting pressure out of our base defense. Game prediction. Yes, what is your game prediction? I will tell you right now. Game prediction, okay, I won't be too long-winded here. Texas Southern, they are an average to below average FCS team. We should roll right over these guys. Defensively, I talked about QB pressure, and we should be able to create that pressure throughout the game and make it very, very difficult on that freshman quarterback. Offensively, I look to see us have about 45 rushes again like we did in week one. It would be fun to see us air it out a little bit more and give Bohannon a few more deep ball opportunities. But if Grimes is trying to hammer home that we are a running team, I expect to see, you know, 40 to 50 rushes again. And guys, I think we will make a pretty good jump offensively. Usually you make a good jump in improvement from games one to games two. So give me Baylor 37 to six. Thanks again to Levi Norwood. I enjoyed it, man. I know my listeners will too. This weekend, we have Texas Southern visiting Waco, Texas for our home opener. For those of you that are going to come and be there, safe travels and yell loud for the Bears. My wife and I, unfortunately, will probably not be making a football game this year. We have a little boy on the way. He is due in November. So out of, out of an abundance of caution, we probably 
will not make any Baylor football games this year. But you better believe I will be following along at home. This game, again, is broadcasted on ESPN+, Plus, but I have a lot of confidence. It's going to be a much better broadcast because good old John Morris and the Baylor broadcast team is going to be leading it. So I got no doubt it is going to be great. I cannot wait for this game to see what improvements we are going to make both offensively and defensively. And of course, Sikkim Bears. The Please Bear With Me podcast was created by Scotty Swingler, is hosted and produced by Travis Corley in affiliation with 247 Sports and Bears Illustrated.